listener and welcome to the Metacast by Navig. We're recording a very special Crypto Corner today. I'm joined by Will Brooke and Sebastian Park and um, yeah, it's live. So um, if you listened or looked at the previous episode, the roundtable we did, um, we're still at GDC. So this is uh, Crypto Corner GDC version. Um, so we'll talk a bit about GDC. Um, so yeah, uh, my voice is, as you might start hearing, I might, I might fall away for a bit. Uh, that's because um, things are loud here and I've had, I've have had to scream to get myself heard at certain parties and at certain events. So, um, apologies in advance for that. Um, so yeah, so I'm Nico, I am an investor at Bitcoin Ventures and I'm uh, happy to be the host so I can talk to these awesome dudes here and then Will, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me guys. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, I'll introduce myself. I'll be very quick. Uh, I'm Will Brook. I uh, lead gaming at OpenSea. So yeah, pumped to talk all things gaming, NFTs, uh, everything else. Hell yeah. That's Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm, I'm Sebastian Park. I'm a co-founder of Infinite Canvas and a venture partner at Bitcraft, focusing mostly on user-generated gaming, Web3, blockchain, gaming. I mean, all the DJ stuff. That, all, all, that. all the DJ stuff. My voice is great because I don't party as hard as Nico, so I'm, Dude. I'm good to go. Dude, I was in bed early, you know. These were dinners, you know, not even parties. Um, so yeah, let's kick things off. I mean, we, we finally have the chance to have someone on the podcast who's uh, intimate with what's going on at OpenSea. So um, it's it's interesting. To, I'm just interested to, to get like a bit of the, the, the insights that you can share of what's going on inside. Uh, but maybe like as you know, people that are listening are mostly involved with games. Um, like, what is the you know, what does gaming at OpenSea mean, and 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 what is your like? How do you look at different games, and and could you share a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. So um, you know, right now uh, we sort of we sort of work with or touch every game that is building on the blockchains that we support. So you know, Ethereum, Polygon, Clayton. Um, what does it mean? Uh, you know, number one, uh, if you have if you have a game that has NFTs on those blockchains, like your NFTs are probably touching OpenSea. People are probably buying and selling and, you know, sending and all that uh, via OpenSea. So, um, you know, that kind of happens like, you know, for better or for worse, automatically, like, you know, a lot of traffic is funneled to OpenSea and um, it's a great place for users to sort of like get exposed to new content and, um, you know, learn about what's going on. Uh, I think gaming is, you know, one content vertical of many at OpenSea, like, most people or a lot of people, I think, think of it as like art and collectibles and PFPs, right? Like that's what mm -hmm. that's what sort of, you know, blew the doors off this ecosystem. But uh, originally, I think myself and definitely like our founding team was thinking that gaming was what was going to be like, that was like going to be the watershed moment because mm -hmm. NFTs, like in a lot of ways, at least for some folks, like the analogs to to gaming and digital assets and gaming it's, it's very familiar like we mm -hmm. grew up with yeah. items and we grew up with uh you know characters and avatars and things like that so uh you know now we're seeing uh all kinds of gaming activities sort of happen and proliferate like there's this sort of second wave coming in beyond pfps beyond art where users are all about like nfts with utility like you know beyond just the jpeg or beyond just you know uh, a lot of the meme content like you know, what, what can I do with it? What, mm. what kind of access does it get me? Can I use it in a virtual space or a virtual world? Like this, this sort of concept, like innovating on what an NFT is and what kind of utility it gets me, like gaming is the sort of ultimate use case for that. So for people who don't know, like how big is OpenSea? Is OpenSea eBay? Is it Sotheby's? Is it literally every single, all of the above? Is, is it, it Amazon? Amazon? <laughs> yeah, like 
Yeah, uh, this is this is a good question. I mean, uh, you know, in in the NFT space, right? Like maybe it is some of those bigger players mm. where you know, th like that's that's the comp where you know, and OpenSea sells everything, right? So you know, everything just store. like yeah, the everything store, which is sort of like the aspiration of yeah. and, you know what Amazon has kind of built itself into, and you know, similar to eBay, right? You yeah. can kind of get a little bit of everything on there. So maybe in those senses, that's the case, but obviously, um, you know. It's kind of a different different cultural ethos or like you know the nft ecosystem <laughs> is a lot different than you know those where we try to have like a very very close relationship with the community and it's like things move so quickly that uh you know what's popular today may be like not so popular tomorrow or like something new comes in and you see all these like surges of excitement so it's a obviously a huge company in terms of scale and sort of you know users like we're seeing that grow volume of course but um yeah, maybe like uh, I don't know. Maybe like I I don't know. I don't want I don't want to tie us too closely to to any of those. But yeah, uh, it's fun. Can you give us an idea about how big gaming is within OpenSea percentage wise? Is it half? Is it way more? Way 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 less? Yeah. Uh. So NFT volumes overall last year, gaming was something like uh thirty to forty percent, uh, which. I don't know if people like would guess that, mm. but yeah, I would guess a lot lower. Right. Right. Like that's, that's a lot. It is, it is. And you know, a lot of that is definitely virtual world driven and you right, know, right. land sales, but speculation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, open sea is like, is mirrors pretty closely like that, that sort of trend. So it's actually already a huge part of open seas market share, which again, is, I don't think something is something that folks really know too well. What's the, what's the percentage of total gaming game five market share that open sea has? Um, that's a good question. I think uh, it's a hard one to answer because of the sort of multi-chain ecosystem. Right, right. Um, you know, especially when you start to bring like layer twos into the mix, um, you know, and, and different scaling solutions. Uh, I don't know exactly off the top of my head. I would, I would, Hazard, it's pretty high on Ethereum and Polygon, which we support. But mm. um, yeah, I don't know overall. Dope. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, I was also wondering, um, from the volume per project, like on average, do you have any insights you can give us on like what happens, let's say, the first two weeks after the initial mint and after, like volume-wise? Do, do you have any insights on that? Yeah, I think I'll give I'll give like a somewhat un, unsatisfactory answer, <laughs> you know, which is like it varies so significantly by by project. Uh, you know, there tends let's let's say like the average project that has like it's fairly well hyped. It has a lot of community interests. Like it's a good founding team, exciting project. Like there's there's always a lot of energy around the mint moment, as we know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we've all probably participated in. Uh, you know, you see that you see then an immediate surge of activity afterwards on the secondary markets where, you know, a lot of folks that couldn't participate mm. in that mint, um, you know, that's their way to to buy in. You have the folks that are obviously, you know, minting to try to, you know, for more financial reasons, maybe than utility mm. when it comes to, you know, actually playing the game and stuff like that. And so you tend to see those folks often cycle out as, you know, the folks that have more conviction about the longer term game or actually excited about gameplay um sort of then come in via secondary but then you, know, you tend to see it settle down a little bit after that after mm -hmm. that first few days um you know unless it's something that you know interest is way over total supply of, of you know sort of what they brought to market mm. so i've been i've been thinking a lot about and i've been speaking to a lot of folks here at gdc about this and i'd love to have your takes on this so um 
it seems like there's a world where games on the blockchain all go in a direction of um, having a certain game loop with an economy around it, where the whole, the, so the, the North Star of the team that designs the game is going to be maximizing the amount of trading that happens on a secondary market, because that's where the revenues are gotten from. If you look, for example, at, at a game like Axie Infinity, they have, I think, for the moment, two two main sources of revenues. One is the, the trading of axes, and the second is the fees that you pay to breed a new axie. Um, and so, like, what do you think about this? Do you think this this, this makes sense? Is this, you know, going to be the new business model of gaming within Web3? Um, Sebastian. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like a first order versus second order effect, right? Like, I mean, if you let if you tell people, hey, the current marketplace's monetization loop is based on transaction fees, then people will design games that are in that mode, right? Like, and if you're, I mean, it's reminiscent of like the first wave of NFT gaming or NFTs where it's like all the money came from the mint. Mm -hmm. And so you saw, oh, okay, well, we're gonna charge 0.5 E for a mint. And we do it a thousand times and get 500 ETH. And we're rich. And then we're good, right? And and then now it's like, oh, actually, as the meta has sh shifted to people being like really low 0 0.001, 0 0.01 mint costs, then now they're like, oh, we were designed this to be traded rapidly so that it's, it's using the trading volume as a way to generate liquidity and monetization. My expectation is that like at the end of the day, it's just a meta play. It's not actually a good way to design a game. And there are games that are going to be good for it, but there are going to be people who figure out newer things, right? So there are like stake to burn mechanisms. There are just burn mechanisms where you hold enough of the treasury such that if your game actively burns enough of the things that you've created, it will increase the value by decreasing supply without any artificial demand being built in. Like it seems as though it would be a very, very bad equilibrium if we only have trading games in blockchain game by. But don't you think um, you know peer-to-peer -peer trading will be key within most blockchain games? I mean, I think social dynamics are important, but I I would be hesitant to say that. I mean, like if you told me a year ago this is what GameFi would look like in 2022, I wouldn't have believed you, right? Like it was like it's this just like one of many outcomes that could have happened. Mm -hmm. I think similarly, if we look forward to 2023, I'd imagine we're gonna go through a quarter or two of really heavy development on a very peer-to-peer -peer trading and trading as a social mechanic gameplay style of games. But then we'll start seeing other things. And it's just like whoever figures out the next thing. And it's just like a race in terms of what the equilibrium is. But I'd be like incredibly surprised. Like I would be like stupidly surprised if this is the Nash equilibrium that makes the most sense for everyone. Okay. Instead of and instead of calling it the Nash equilibrium that makes sense for everyone, maybe the <laughs> the game mode or the economic model or the blockchain monetization model that accrues the most revenues, where the biggest games will actually come up. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's probably a better way to describe it than using fancy words and a university degree. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Will? Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think it it can be like secondary peer-to-peer -peer trading that can be like the model that drives the most revenue it's good for you no which which is which is you know which is great for us and great for you know great for consumers as well i think like but what's what's uh what's nice is that can exist uh in harmony with like you know a version of the current model that that we see today where you know it's all about live service games it's all about new content like you can now you can continue to have that new content like come in and if you know 
that content's compelling enough, you'll have a secondary market for it. But um, you know, that can represent some incremental revenues for for a publisher or for a developer. But um, you know, you're probably still going to have that content flywheel because you have to still keep your right. your users engaged, and mm. so you're still going to have to have new stuff hitting the market. And so you know, you can be, almost have the exact same model that you have today, but now users can you know get their hands on content and you know trade, and you know the value will be driven by you know how cool are the assets and do people want them and you know how limited is supply. So there's a little more supply and demand dynamics with how you might think about bringing new content to market to maybe try to incentivize that, but. Um, I think you'll probably see some games where, you know, it's more about what new content is coming mm-hmm. to keep people excited. Attention spans are short. Then you may see some games like, you know, if if they're more if they're built that way, that may be a little more incentivized for like peer to peer trading. What would you do if, for example, you know, in Elden Ring, you have those runes you can equip mm-hmm. if those are just sold on OpenSea? Right. Like, if, let's say it wasn't against the TOS of, of Elden Ring and that it was a blockchain based game. Would the majority of revenue that's generated by Elden Ring come from the exchange of runes, or would it be that they're generating runes consistently? So you're already seeing this actually with yeah. runes, where people are, you know, obviously like outside of of outside of the Elden Ring ecosystem, like you know, getting on forums or, mm-hmm. or Discord or whatever, like finding folks. They're, they'll meet up in real life, drop off a rune for someone. They'll pay cash, you know, outside the game or Venmo, you know, whatever it is. And so this is happening already. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Question, yeah, if you enable this in game, um, you know, how does that change things? I think like, you know, folks that want it bad enough are doing it now. So as a developer, maybe like you do sort of build that in. I think the key is like, you gotta be, you have to be very, this is something folks, you know, worry about today is like, you know, pay to play to win, right? Right. Pay to win, excuse me. Like this has always been like a a buzzy term, but you have to be so much more careful in this ecosystem. Mm, um, If you're going to intentionally build those mechanics into your game and, for a single player like Elden Ring, doesn't really matter. Like difficulty also in that game is, you know, not really like a, a rational concept. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it, it can be it can be managed. Just it, right. it's sensitive. It's sensitive. You know, you 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 have to you have to balance that sort of thing. And it just you add a lot of complexity when you bring in tokens and, and peer-to-peer trading and yeah. things like that. It, it's interesting because it seems just a gray market of rune trading. If they were taking like a three point five percent like fee. It seems it's like a one direction trade. Like a person who buys the room doesn't then resell the room. But in that trade, there's probably been like, I'd imagine hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars of volume of of like runes on Elden Ring because it's like a pain, it's a grind. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Nico and I have been on the road for multiple weeks. No one has time to play this game. <laughs> well, you've been on the road for multiple weeks still. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 50 hours into Elden Ring, man. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know where I found, found the time. Have you, have you guys been playing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not as much as I would like, but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Dude, when I'm getting home, my Sunday is blocked for time <laughs> with my wife and, and some Elden Ring. <laughs> Why not both at the same time, right? That now? is something I'm working on, sir. It's, um, <laughs> I'm not there yet, but uh, I'm trying to find some games where we can play together. I think it's a highly watchable game. You know, I'm hanging out with my friends in Discord and just watch them stream and nice. get their ass kicked. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 If they like, like to see and watch human suffering and frustration, <laughs> I guess. So um, you guys have both been, you know, having a lot of, seeing a lot of hotel lobbies over the past <laughs> few days here at GDC. What are kind of your your, your learnings you've, you've taken away for, for blockchain gaming as a, as a whole? By the way, like if you read Twitter sentiment, you would have thought that no one at GDC would have cared about blockchain. Everyone would have hated it. 
right? And you walk around to any of the hotels or any of the events around the city and everyone, even people who I like follow on Twitter, who are actively, I'm thinking of a word, a better non-curse word. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, like poo-pooing, (laughs) poo-pooing on on blockchain, right? They're all asking, it's like, so what is this? How do we do this? What is this, right? How do I make money of this? Right, right. (laughs) It's, It's super interesting because I haven't seen that kind of zeitgeist movement since free to play, hmm. which I think has given me a lot more confidence personally that this is actually a, a proper movement. Hmm. Because I remember 10 years ago when like free to play was taking off, people were like, oh, free to play is awful, <laughs> right? Like we'll never do that. It's like to play to pay to win, like Will said. But then people were like, wait, actually, that's not the case. Like this is actually a really engaging thing. There's like, so many cool things to see. And so I think that's been like the coolest thing I've seen on the floor. Yeah. How are you, Will? Yeah, GDC has been a ton of fun. I think uh, the number one thing I've seen is uh, traditional gaming, like more interest from traditional gaming players, whether that's like the the developers themselves, uh, the publishers or um, developers with that sort of background, AAA background, mobile background, um, moving into this space. And it's super exciting for me because I'm a little wary of the projects that are like, you know, bu- building for they, they see they see the money entering the space mm-hmm. and they're building uh building to try to be opportunistic and, and capture that. And they're not focused on like gameplay first. And when you think about um, mass adoption of this sort of technology and like mass onboarding of users into this space, like it's it's not rocket science. It's gonna be a game that has like a great gameplay loop. That's a ton of fun that appeals to a lot of these user archetypes. Like, yeah, you know, you have people now that play for social reasons, people that right. play to explore, to, you know, achieve that wanna win. Now you have these new archetypes with NFTs, players that play to collect, sometimes mm-hmm. players that do play to, you know, invest. And I think like you're going to need folks with the ability to build for the former, those archetypes, uh, you know, to be able to then marry with those later archetypes, the, the, the collector, the investor. And like that sort of like combination in harmony is what's going to really like knock the socks off the space and like, I think cause it to explode. Do you have a project you remember from last year that you're like, hopefully it's set by now? Where you're like, yo, I remember how bad this project was in 2021. Yeah, I won't like flame them directly <laughs> considering they're still, you know, around. They're still around, they're still building and they're still selling. But yeah, it was an early an early project that, uh, you know, classic story, the roadmap, you know, prom- promised a lot. And I think I didn't do enough looking under the hood to, you know, understand like, again, who's the team that's building mm-hmm. it, right? What's their like, you know, what's their experience like? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I uh, I rode the hype train and, uh, you know, have felt the pain, have felt the pain <laughs> since. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of memes for, for rugs <laughs> and stuff like that. This isn't just, wasn't quite a rug. It's just, uh, it was just incompetence. Know, yeah. Me not, uh, not doing my own research. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Always do your own research. And I mean, you know, Sebastian and I, we like at, in Bitcraft, we know very well that the team in the end is everything, right? Yeah. hundred so, percent. Um, doing good diligence on who the hell is, actually telling the story and, and, yeah. and yeah. having to execute all that stuff is uh is key um cool yeah so will i mean i'm just also interested to, to learn more about your like how did you end up doing gaming in OpenSea, right so how does one end up there do you have like a gaming background are you you know one of those as we call crypto natives yeah um definitely not not a crypto native i think my my Crypto and NFT journey started in uh, in 2020 around the pandemic when I found myself with more time at home and um, 
you know, when a lot of people sort of found their way into this space. But my, my background um, before that, I'll, always been a gamer at heart. I think, you know, every every one of those major games over the last 20 years, you know, I've I feel like I've played and I've I've loved and I've I've shared with friends. So I was a Nintendo guy like early on, um, especially Super Nintendo and into N64 and, and Mario games and Super Smash Brothers were, you know, my my love language. And then, you know, I moved on to uh, you know, PC, like early stages of Counter-Strike and, you know, played Age of Empires, um, you know, onto uh Halo and then onto, you know, World of Warcraft and and you know, RuneScape before that and, and League of Legends when that was peaking as I was, you know, starting college. Um so I've always been a massive fan and uh, you know lover of of games. Uh, professionally, I moved in more recently. I started out as a consultant um, at a firm called McKinsey, and then uh, later, uh, yeah, later it was like, what am I doing here? I think I, I built the <laughs> I built the business like sophistication I needed. I knew how to like you know be a professional in a job yeah. and with the biggest slide deck. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's that's the classic consultant uh, yeah, skill set yeah, yeah. right there. You know, work a little Excel and a little PowerPoint. Um, yeah, and. I think I also then came to recognize like the impressive like business that is gaming, like the scale of the scale of the ecosystem. There's, you know, all kinds of, uh, yeah, all kinds of interesting opportunities. So that was the moment that I decided to take the leap. And so uh, first off, I started out by, again, moving this consulting background into some some personal consulting with some Fortune 500 companies that were interested in gaming, Coca-Cola, Dick Sporting Goods, things like that. And then eventually made the actual jump into gaming, joined EA, um, and was at EA for a few years uh, before uh, joining OpenSea. And you know, joining OpenSea was, uh, learned about NFTs in the context of gaming, saw some folks building mm -hmm. and saying, hey, here's what you can do with an NFT in your game. Here's what actual ownership might mean for you. Uh, Kind of went down the rabbit hole as a lot of us do and you know it's a longer story as to you know my pitch to open sea and sure, sure. how i landed there but that's kind of what brought me here sick so really a gamer then yes game, are we are we saying gaming native is that a thing now just just nerds no just nerds yeah <laughs> there you go yeah exactly I'm proud to be yeah cool man that's that sounds really cool um what is um for you because you just talked about you know ownership of in-game assets what is kind of you know the next level. What, what, like next to that, what excites you about this you know, blockchain, blockchain technology, and what it could bring to gaming? Yeah, I think uh, you know at its core, I talk about I talk about being a gamer. Um, you know the amount of money and time and energy I've sank or sunk into these games. Um, I don't know if it's sank or sunk. It's probably sunk. Uh, sunk into these games. Um, yeah, it's so significant, right? Like yeah. you know, you don't want to look at my time played on you know World of Warcraft or some of this stuff. Um, and, you know, that that was a ton of fun and I value that a lot. But um, my sort of personal like ROI or like what, what do I have to show from all that time and experience besides maybe some great friends? Uh, it's not a lot. And I think, you know, if you can enjoy that same sort of like that same sort of experience, those same sort of amazing moments where, you know, you have an opportunity to channel that time into uh, earning, you have opportunity to channel that time into collecting or, you know, mm -hmm. leveling up your items and like, you know, that investment that you put in, you can then do something with it. Right. So you can, you know, yes, you can, you know, sell it to someone else, but you know, there's with UGC, which obviously like, mm -hmm. you know, you know, all about, like, there's so many opportunities to like, if you invest time and you create content and you build an ecosystem to other, other people like participating in. Now you have a way to monetize that. You have a way to engage with players in different ways in terms of, you know, token gating experiences with NFTs and things like that. 
there's just all kinds of interesting, um, you know, utility, both financial and like social and community that um, different, different kinds of experiences that you can build, I think that you haven't been able to before. Mm -hmm. um, next thing I wanted to ask you is, um, and then both of you guys, right, we've, we've been seeing a lot of different gaming companies, you know, approach, I guess, all three of us when and telling their <laughs> stories. Um, what is like, personally, I've been making in my head a distinction between web 2.5 gaming companies and web three gaming companies. Um, does that resonate? Have what's, you, you... what's, how do you define that? Like how, what's a 2.5 versus a three? So for me, um, you know, to the point that, that Will just made, I think blockchain technology used for games allows for more than just like turning, you know, first person shooter game, game gun skins into NFTs, mm. right? It is for me, web three is a mindset shift. It mm. is, you know, turning the game into an economy, but also giving your players ownership of the game mm. and, you know, like uh, a piece of the pie. And for me, Web3 is, you know, we've done research of this um, on this uh, at Baycroft and we saw that an average game company at the point of their IPO is 45% owned by the team and 55% owned by investors. A typical blockchain gaming company is 15% owned by the team, 15% owned by investors, and then they have, you know, rewards for staking, rewards for contributors, mm. rewards for the communities. Um, you know, they have, they have some liquidity tokens held for liquidity. And so basically you're, um, as an investor or as a founder, you're taking a smaller piece of the pie, but you're building a larger pie. Um, and so I've seen quite a lot of companies that I would categorize as Web 2.5, and that is, you know, we're, we, we're in the Web 2 mindset, but we do NFTs as well. And then a few Web3 companies that are like, you know, we're all in, we understand this shit. We know that, you know, our players want to have a say you know, in our Discord. We engage with them. We, we let them, you know, participate in the economy. We try to um, engage them as much as we can. We, we, we look inside our, our community to people that contribute and we reward them with the tokens. Um, we align incentives um, and we, we design the game to be something fun for everyone. Um, so, yeah, these are things that I've, I've been seeing, but I'd love to have your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, yeah, I think uh the, there's there's a mix um i think like you know there's this perception that uh you know these like web2 gaming companies uh they they're, they're totally demonized at at, the, at this <laughs> at this point by the by the gaming audience like any mention of the word nft you know tied to a big gaming brand and right. you know there's there's a really negative reaction i think i am seeing them want to like activate in this space in an authentic way like they they want to do it right of course they want to make money but i see genuine interest i think you you raised a very good point though where you know they, they want to do it in the right way but how much from a mindset perspective are they living in the web3 world when they understand more beyond just the digital item that you have today is now an nft and i can capture a secondary royalty right. like they want those to be cool content they want it to be you know unique and exciting but um you know not all of them are really have really like gone through that mindset shift yet. And I think uh, there's definitely a lot of room for growth when it comes to like, you know, yeah. Are you building the same thing with NFTs or are you building, you know, an experience that looks a lot different? <laughs> I was talking to a content company yesterday or a couple of days ago now. I don't know if we reveal what day we're recording this, but it was during GDC. <laughs> and the person was like, 
So why are you interested in metaverse? And they're like, so our company missed the internet. <laughs> like I was like, wait, what? Again? Yeah, no, like, like we're, we're really doing well in the nineties <laughs> and we just missed this whole internet thing. It just didn't work out for us. And so we, so we have a directive to not miss <laughs> like whatever the next internet is. And this is it. But what's interesting is that it seems impossible for them to have caught the internet, right? Because these things are inherently disruptive. These things are inherently changes the dynamic. And when Nikos, what you're saying is, hey, it's weird where companies are trying to do this, but unable to. And I think part of it is because when you design a company, it's like designing any type of system, you design it with your KPIs in mind. And it's really hard to disrupt those KPIs if you're not designed to capture it. Free-to-play gaming is a great example. Free-to-play gaming is defined by massive top-of-funnel user acquisition, really good mid-funnel retention mechanisms, and bottom-of-funnel monetization. Right, that is the frame of reference that every game is made. And if you just immediately try to put that into a ownership model, where you give everyone top of funnel ownership of this thing, the game just doesn't make money anymore. And so what you've really done is disrupted away your revenues mm -hmm. and your company. If you do that, if you're a free-to-play mobile publisher who does specifically that type of games loop. And so I totally think that people want to make sure that they have this. And I, I certainly think after GDC, people are going to go home and be like, we may be wrong about <laughs> blockchain. We might be wrong about Web3. And there's going to be a lot more excitement about it. It won't be public. <laughs> It'll just be people working on it. And But I, I don't really blame people for trying. But I do believe that if it actually is disruptive and not just an add-on that we could just put on everything, that it will actually will disrupt things. And so therefore, people just won't be able to do it. Yeah, and this is this this you know this is a good segue into um, talking about like IP and if you have an existing <laughs> IP portfolio, like what IP do you use when you think about like moving to this new space and when when you have that fear of cannibalization of your existing model and yeah. when you know you're worried about like disrupting the funnel mm -hmm. and all these things, yeah, it probably means you're gonna go to market with a minimalist approach in terms of you know how innovative are you really being when it comes to. Uh, you know, blockchain and, and Web3 and, and, and NFTs versus, you know, I think, you know, new IP maybe gives you a little more freedom, but comes with the trade off of you're having to build a new brand. And it's in this new space that, you know, again, is a little bit polarizing. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways is hard, to, is hard to understand and hard to onboard. So I'm seeing a lot of publishers right. struggle with like that sort of trade off. It's also funny because I, I still think a lot about seven years ago when AR, AR, Geofence gaming became big with Pokemon Go. Yeah. And I can't help but think that we learned just a lot more about how powerful Pokemon is <laughs> than we did about geofencing or AR. <laughs> and so the, one of the cool things about blockchain this time around, because remember, like it's easy in hindsight to say, hey, VR isn't quite there yet. But at the time, like I remember GDC 2016, everyone was talking about VR as though it was like going to disrupt everything. And people were like, yeah, like everything's going to be on VR. It's going to be the craziest thing in the world. If you don't have a full-fledged hardware team in Croatia that's already building hardware in China, you're five years behind the curve, despite the fact that no one's really ever five years behind the curve. I, I wonder about that because to your point, there are new IPs. And those IPs are going to have the ability to succeed. And one of the things that you think about from venture, but also from OpenSea is like, you get to be agnostic about which of the IP things do well because you support everyone. Right, like you're like, hey, be on our platform. We'll support you. We'll go from there. But on the flip side, is if you're an individual game developer, or if you're a publisher, or if you're someone who's like in the Web two or Web one space, you're 
making that leap could destroy your company. And that's a hard argument to make to your board. Yeah, so we tried this NFT thing and destroyed our company. If we actually look back and look at some companies that have to take them out, some people who made that type of leap towards VR did in fact destroy their company because they had a good product, they leaped to VR, the world wasn't ready, and then COVID happened. And so all this like in-person VR stuff that was starting to take trend lines in Asia just all died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think like that's why you'll see this bear, this like crawl, walk, run, <laughs> right, model, right. right? Where like people just dip their toes into the water, which, you know, maybe doesn't represent the maximum potential of what this could be or what it like mm-hmm. will evolve to. But, um, you know, that that's totally true. And you're right. I think like when we think about we, we support we support everyone, but, you know, we we partner with with some right. right. Open sea, um, like conviction is sort of an important uh component of that like it's not a recipe for success if it's a small team within a publisher like pushing for this and Mm -hmm. wanting to do it but like the leadership of the company is is not is not aligned or you know at the first mention of you know a consumer or one of their one of their lifelong users saying oh i don't like this that they then like (laughs) knee jerk back and so you know there, there is a little bit of like, yeah. you got to meet us in the middle in terms of like, we, you know, we're here to, we're here to help you and we want to help you guys be successful. Like it's, it's good for us if, if your, you know, game explodes and it's good for everyone, but like, you know, you're going to have to lean in and do it the right way. Do, do you talk to brands and companies about, Hey guys, just so you know, <laughs> your audience may not be like super enthusiastic about this <laughs> i i say it now but now they're all they're all aware oh, okay. they've, they've seen the they they've know. seen some of the you know some of the examples and some some of those examples the execution was was uh lacking mm-hmm. or i think not thought through well some of some of those examples uh were quite creative like really good content interesting stuff and um you know still had a similar reaction so that's kind of a funny thing there's the, there's the blanket reaction which is negative right now um so you have to sort of have the emotional fortitude to push back that if you if you again have alignment if you believe you're building something that like is quality and you know assume that either assume that people will catch up or be willing to take the risk it feels like um and i might be wrong but that's what it appears to me uh like is that the higher up in the hierarchy of large companies, the more people are in favor, it seems, of blockchain technology and the less they are like, oh, you're talking about blockchain. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to walk away silently because I don't want to talk about this. Um, yeah, agree? yeah, they've, um, you know, they've a lot of the higher ups at these companies have been in gaming for a while. They've seen to Sebastian's right. point earlier, they've seen the change in business mm-hmm. model over time. They've seen premium go <laughs> to premium plus DLC, go to free to play, go right. to live service battle pass. They've seen all these transitions and they've seen the consumer sentiment mm-hmm. every time, even in cases where, you know, in some ways, blockchain technology is a lot more opaque and like the value prop can, you know, depending on the the situation can be a little, uh, a little more confusing, but free to play, like should, you know, your game that cost you $60 before is now free. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the best cases, like still the full game that should be like, a huge win for consumers, but you saw a lot of backlash. And sometimes it was because of opportunistic publishers really, you know, being greedy, (laughs) but that sort of stuff settles out, right? There's there's all kinds of opportunistic people in the NFT space for being greedy. And like that stuff, I believe will settle out in the same way. Yeah. And that's a really good point too, right? Because if you had a $60 price point game, or at the time it was probably closer to $50, that's a different model, right? Your marketing spend 
is way ahead of your game launching, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're marketing for years, you're taking on tens of millions of dollars of burn before the project launches. And now we see in Web3, especially, we see a lot of projects that it's like Kickstarter on crack. Mm-hmm. Not like there's like a bunch of Kickstarter games where they're like, yo, we're going to make the next Magic the Gathering. Please give us money. And they get funded for a couple million dollars because they have a couple cool graphics. Like, and then they hopefully build a game. And sometimes, not saying any space game, it just doesn't deliver seven years out. And I think similarly in blockchain, that's a little bit like on the crazier side of this, where it's like, yeah, like actually, you've done at least a little bit of more of the work and you get a lot more money as a result and the money then funnels into ownership in a way that Tixar didn't. That's pretty cool, but it's completely different in terms of how we have to think about it relative to everything else. Because if we, if you had a multi-million dollar acquisition model that's targeted towards like a $60 or $70 box game, like a big box game in blockchain, I actually don't know what those dynamics would look like. Like you'd have to like get venture funding, you'd burn through the money, and I guess you pay it back with the token launch, or you trade it back with OpenSea. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean the, the the funny thing is, you know, not all games like, but a lot of games are you know token gated or NFT gated. Like you need to own the NFTs to play them. And it's funny now, it, like gone full circle, the buy-in cost is way higher than $50 or $60 ever was, right? right so right. <laughs> this is like an interesting design trade-off around, you know, how do you let users access your ecosystem? Right. And, you know, it's a user acquisition question, but it's just it's just funny, you know? Sometimes it's like, oh, my now it's $800 if I want to access right, this right. game because it's so hyped that, you know, that's where the floor price of these NFTs are. That's actually really funny. It's like, it's, it's like you know, to play the sport, you have to... Like it's like to be a to be a race car driver, you have to have a car. Yeah. Right. And so and so that's crazy. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, um, I think you know, short and sweet episode. This was great, guys. Thank you for joining me. Um, and so with that, you know, Metacast is out. We hope uh, that you enjoyed it, and we look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Nico, what's your Twitter? At Nico Vreke, V E R E E C K E. I'm glad you spelled that one out. Yeah. What was yours? Well. Uh, I'm at WJ Brook, W J B R O O K E. Yeah, I'm at Seth Park, Seth which Park. is really easy. So easy. <laughs> I'm jealous. All right, guys, peace out.